Hello and welcome. You're listening to Arizona's News Roundup, the weekly podcast that gets you all caught up on the biggest stories around the state on your time from a Valley point of view. And I'm your Arizona's News Roundup producer and this week host, Kate Orta. This week, we're bringing you a special edition of Arizona's News Roundup, taking a look behind the scenes at our latest KTAR series, Without a Home, a KTAR special series on homelessness in the Valley. This week, we presented to you in five parts a look at homelessness. We spoke to those who are serving the community. We spoke to those who are experiencing homelessness themselves and the different communities they represent. Our reporters brought you stories from those most impacted and who are on the front lines of this emerging crisis. With that in mind, Kate, let me ask you, what stood out most to you? So... After getting to interview all of our reporters and hearing their on-air pieces and seeing all of the work that went into this, there were some trends that did really stand out to me. I think one of the things that was most stunning was what the actual problems here really come down to. Multiple reporters talked about how, as Taylor Tassler said, this isn't a homelessness crisis, it's a lack of housing crisis. And then getting that kind of long-term perspective from Cross and Luke about what actually happened to cause this housing problem. Personally, I did not know about this like production of houses, you know, this housing boom that we saw um, because I was a child when that happened and getting to see that like, oh, that's why people are so worried about having, you know, too much housing when for me, it's like just build the houses. (laughs) Right. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think one of the things that I kept coming back to and that stood out to me in this process really came down to, like you said, how much overlap there is between these subjects. And for me, when we were talking about doing this series and we were working with reporters, some of the fear was, oh my gosh, a lot of these stories are going to start to sound the same because there is so much overlap. Uh, For me, the big standout, though, definitely came down to this housing crisis we're seeing. And a few years ago, KTAR brought you a series called Arizona's Rising Real Estate. And at the time, we thought, well, this is just an obvious problem. This is, you know, I can't find a house. My rent keeps going up. It was more of a, oh, yeah, of course, we're covering that kind of thing. Like, everyone's talking about it. What I don't think any of us had the foresight for when we were doing that series was really how much this would trickle down, so to speak, how much we would see this over time create an unhoused crisis the way we're talking about. And like you said, Taylor Tassler had spoken with somebody who works for the Maricopa County Association of Governments who really talked specifically about it being an unhoused crisis. And that is something that just kept driving that nagging point home of, oh my gosh, this is all so interconnected. There's so much intersectionality between those who are experiencing homelessness now um, and what's caused it. You know, you touched on some of the planning and some of the concerns that you had about like that this might start to sound like the same story over and over again, which I really don't think that happened. I think we got to see this from lots of angles. But as managing editor, what goes into creating a special series like this? We started planning this, in all honesty, this kind of fell into my lap only eight weeks before it aired, which is pretty quick, all things considered. We have five full-time reporters at KTAR, and we really spent the time with them mapping out what angles should we take. Originally, this was a different series. This was a series that looked only at 
the populations experiencing homelessness. You hear some of that in this series, but originally it was going to be one day dedicated to veterans, one day dedicated to youth, one day dedicated to first-time homelessness, and so on. You still heard those stories in this series, but you also got a lot more data in this series. That's how we opened to give more of an objective view. I think that's a really hard thing to do in such personal stories. So we talked about how can we take some of the emotion out of this and make this a an across-the-board, everyone can understand how we got here. And that can be kind of tough because then the fear is, do we come off cold and callous? Are we not representing the personal side effects? We also looked at potentially telling this story from only a causation standpoint or maybe a legislative and policing aspect. There were so many angles and different ways we could have told this story. I'm really proud of the kind of amalgamation we created with Mm -hmm. all of those ideas and how did they all come to the table and present itself. So now what we ended with was a little bit of data-driven storytelling, a little bit of personal storytelling, a little bit of that causation a little bit of that policing, a little bit of what you see day to day and a lot of what you don't see day to day. And the overall arching theme that we really tried to drive home beyond anything else was how can we make it solutions based? How can we really focus on not just pointing out the bad because no one wants to just sit and hear terrible things for a week and we all feel empathy or sympathy when we see someone on the side of the street, especially when it gets hot out here in Arizona. But how could we focus on telling real problems and the solutions already in place to fight this this ongoing crisis. And I think from my perspective, um, hearing about this series and then hearing that it's also so solutions based is what made me so excited about this piece, which is a big reason why, you know, I feel like we really jumped in with two feet here because you and I are both from Arizona. Right. Um, This is our hometown. And even if people who this isn't their hometown, you know, this is where they're living. This is the community that they care about. So you know, we want to make sure that we're doing that justice and we are sharing as many stories as we can. And then also sharing, you know, what are people doing? We get a lot of criticism as people who work in news that it's all just this terrible tragedy has happened. Look at what this politician said. Yes. If it bleeds, it leads is something that we hear constantly. I think that's something that especially for this series and something that, you know, you and I in our newsroom really prides itself on is thinking about how we can also present the stories of people who are doing the work, people who are stepping up to, you know, find solutions to these problems and who have been for a long time. And that's actually something really cool that Jim Cross and all of our reporters kind of brought up. I know we talked about overlap already, but almost all of them said the work is being done. Yes. It's just is the problem outpacing the resources already available is kind of that question, which is why now that you and I are getting a chance to talk about this, when you talk about someone who's kind of behind the scenes or in the works, you have been the perfect example of that in our newsroom. You've listened to more of these interviews than I think any of the reporters have. You've spent so much time helping to edit these podcasts that we've done with the reporters and their own individual stories. So you, I think, are uniquely qualified to talk about maybe is there one interview that you heard or is there one story that you heard in this that maybe stood out to you more than others? Mm, Good question. We did get to see some really excellent central characters in a lot of these pieces. I will say that hearing from Chuck Ashby, who was in Colton Krolak's piece, Chuck is a veterans outreach coordinator for Mana House, which is one of the organizations that was part of one of our pieces. And something that stood out to me so much about Chuck was that 
he is definitely an older gentleman. Um, and he just had such a vibrant on mic presence that when I was going through and trying to find some other voices, you know, so it's not just us and our reporter talking in our podcasts, um, I wanted to find as many clips of him speaking about his experience as a veteran, as somebody who, you know, was homeless and is now supporting people who are homeless and helping them through their journeys too, um, even at, you know, what a lot of people would consider retirement age. Yeah. That really struck me. And I think Colton did such a good job with sharing that story and finding that, I think, perfect person to highlight for this piece because it not only was he able to talk about how, you know, his own personal experience of what it's like to be in that really unique role of being a veteran and coming back here and, you know, finding yourself homeless, um, but also just speak with so much love and so much passion about his current role with trying to help other people who were like him get on their feet again and find a place to be. Yeah. And I think one thing that you and I both fell in love with in that interview is Chuck talked about not only is he an expert and can kind of, quote unquote, speak the language Mm -hmm. of someone who's experiencing homelessness, someone who's been a veteran or who is a veteran, um, but also somebody who has gone through addiction and who has battled that. Chuck talked about how being sober for 18 years, he doesn't feel like he's older. He feels like he's 18 years old. He's got this new lease on life, this really kind of endearing view of the world from somebody who has experienced so much, who has gone through a lot of hardship and pain to have that optimism as he interacts daily with people who are maybe going through the worst day or worst time of their life, I Mm -hmm. think is such a a beautiful encapsulation of not only the problems at hand, but also the solutions that are kind of already at play. Exactly. And hearing that perspective was definitely surprising to me. Was there anything that surprised you about this whole process? Oh, man. Now, do you mean surprising in terms of the content we got or surprising from behind the scenes? I mean, if we have time for both, I'd love to hear both. Okay. So, I'll start with behind the scenes surprising because I do think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And sometimes this is probably a lot of people in general, but definitely journalist feelings is I'm surprised we got it done on time. (laughs) Uh, We did a lot more with this series than we have with others in the past, but we were able to get every reporter to do an on-air piece, a piece that was longer for our website, a podcast. We've done this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, We've done web stories um, in addition to so many single day turned stories. And then this was a really full scale effort from our website has been turning countless stories on this. We've also had for the first time ever, we did roundtables involving this series where we got to hear from different stakeholders in the community about this. So to me, sometimes the most surprising thing is that we we pulled it off. But then I think on the content side, the surprising thing to me really was that we didn't see it coming, that that there wasn't more mitigation coming. And this isn't a fatal flaw on anyone's part. This isn't corruption that I'm talking about. This is truly just, we as a society always talk about how history repeats itself and then we don't see it coming. So that will probably go down as the most surprising thing I found about this series. The surprising thing for me is that we just didn't see it coming. Yeah. So then with that in mind, you know, as we uh, start to wind down with this series, what are your major takeaways, Kate? I think my biggest takeaway here is just how many people are trying to solve this problem and how many people are earnestly throwing their time and energy into making sure that this issue, that this crisis is being solved. We heard from a number of people from different organizations, from nonprofits, from various levels of the government. This is a top of mind 
climate issue. All of those organizations are also really working together in a lot of ways. Something that Balin said in our behind the scenes interview with him was that to help this one student who was homeless alongside his brother, there were more than five organizations that made yeah. sure that he was being supported. He had a place to be. He was able to you know, have enough money to get food on the table and for him to support himself and his family. And just knowing the sheer number of aspects that go into this and that there are helpers everywhere yeah. trying to solve this problem from all of those directions, that I think was such an incredible takeaway for me. I couldn't agree more. I think this series was a great reminder to me to really open my eyes to the things happening around us, mm -hmm. not just to the number of people who I see on the streets on a daily basis, because I will say since we started talking about this topic, I've noticed it more. I've been so much more aware and so hypersensitive to it. And I wonder if that will be the outcome for a lot of our listeners. And I hope mm -hmm. I hope in some ways that it is. But beyond that, when our reporters started tackling this topic and trying to take it from different angles. At one point, it became, oh, who am I going to talk to? And then it was, do I have enough time to talk to all of them? Yeah. It was, you know, I'm not going to be able to fit all of this into one story. And that, to me, creates this huge, overwhelming sense of gratitude for despite the fact that this is clearly a growing problem, that the data shows that, that this is something that is not going to be solved overnight, mm -hmm. that we already have so many resources in place. And we've even linked to it in some of our resource documents on KTAR.com. We are showing that there are already, like you said, so many helpers, so many people out there who really do want to roll up their sleeves and do the dirty work that it takes, not just the big major overarching policy, not just the coming in and being a white knight, but truly the day-to-day -day hardship of guiding someone through it, of holding their hand and saying, I know this is tough, but we're going to get through this. This may be tough, but you're tougher. I think to me, there's a sense of assurance, there's a sense of gratitude, and there is definitely a feeling of optimism when I hear every one of our reporters saying that same thing of, yeah, this is a big problem, but there are people who are currently working to solve it. That makes me feel a lot better. Yeah, definitely. Me too. So that's it for this Arizona's News Roundup special on KTAR's Without a Home series. Remember, you can read more on all the week's top stories and get breaking news in real time on KTAR.com. You can also listen live on 92.3 FM or to take KTAR everywhere you go, just download the KTAR News app for articles, podcasts, and of course, breaking news. And for more on this series, you can head to KTAR.com slash homeless. A big thanks for listening from your very own Valley Girls, Taylor and Kate. This is Arizona's News Roundup. Until next week.